This podcast is brought to you by SecureFrame.com, the platform for automated compliance. SecureFrame makes it quick and easy to achieve a number of compliance measures in a matter of weeks rather than who knows how long. For those that have dealt with compliance before, you know that it's overwhelming to say the least. Creating policies from scratch, manually collecting loads of screenshot evidence, ensuring employee compliance, and keeping track of hundreds of vendors and documents. Sounds fun, right? (laughs) Thankfully, our friends at SecureFrame have simplified the entire process to save your team months of time and effort. SecureFrame automates hundreds of manual tasks. They streamline evidence collection through over 100 deep integrations with your cloud providers, HR tools, dev tools, and more. They provide you with over 40 auditor-approved policies and give you step-by-step guidance from in-house compliance experts. If this sounds like something you want to learn more about, go to secureframe.com to schedule a personalized demo today. Smart Portfolio really plays into everything that we've been doing here for years, which is to empower everyday Americans to build wealth. Most people just don't know what to do, but they really, really want to get started and they really want to invest in crypto. The theme in the market is that it's a get-rich-quick scheme. And so people are really scared by that because the average person going in to buy and sell Bitcoin 25 times a minute is probably going to lose their money. But taking long view fits inside a stash, so invest in small amounts on a regular basis and think long term. It makes it a lot easier to invest in this, at times, volatile asset class. Hi, everyone. It's Julie Verhage-Greenberg here with your FinTech Today podcast, where we talk about the latest trends in FinTech and interview the industry's movers and shakers. In this episode, I am joined by Brandon Krieg, co-founder and CEO of Stash. And Brandon, I mentioned when we were um, in the pre-show here that the only time I'd been to Austin before I moved here was when I was interviewing you and a couple other founders at South by Southwest. So there must have been something good about that trip if Austin stuck in my mind, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's it's pre pre pandemic trips. I miss them so much. But that was a that was a lot of fun. It was, it was. So uh, on the day that we're recording this, not the day that it's airing, you guys have announced that you're getting into crypto. Tell me a little bit more about this and what led you to this decision. Yeah, it's it's really it's an exciting day for us. Um, you know, we've been thinking for a long time about. Uh, crypto, specifically helping our customers get exposure to crypto in an easy and simple way. And so we, you know, we, we did a lot of work around building an investing thesis for, for not only how to add it, but for when to add it. And we uh, officially announced it today that we added it to our smart portfolio so that customers that use Stash Smart Portfolio uh, can now get exposure to Bitcoin and Ethereum in a very diversified way along uh, alongside a diversified portfolio. So it's really cool because, you know, so many people in this country uh, don't know what to do when it comes to Bitcoin and crypto investing in general. And unfortunately, most people are, are most firms are treating it like a, a casino. And so for us, it's a, it's a beautiful way to help people get exposure, but to also do it alongside a diversified portfolio. So explain to me what smart portfolio is in the first place and why did you end up adding crypto to this versus, I don't know, adding it as a standalone product or adding it to something else in the platform? Yeah, you know, it, it really, smart portfolio really plays into everything that we've been doing here for years, which is, you know, it goes back to our founding moment, which is to empower everyday Americans to build wealth. And so, you know, us as a company, we made a decision early on that we were going to become a registered investment advisor 
and ultimately act as fiduciary. And so majority of our customers, um, you know, they don't know what to do. And, you know, they are always thinking about how to build wealth and how to grow wealth, but they also live paycheck to paycheck. And so, the, you know, for us, we started with uh, helping people invest and we would hold their hand, but ultimately let them choose. But a lot of our customers came to us and said, we really want more. We need help. So as a subscription business, it was very easy for us to add uh, an automated portfolio that we fully manage. So we are choosing what goes in that portfolio. And Smart Portfolio is effectively like a robo-advisor. The difference of uh, how it fits in Stash is that as a subscription business, we don't charge you more money the more you have. It fits really well inside of the construct of Stash. And so it's been out for uh, less than a year now. It's been one of the most successful products we've ever launched. We now have over 400,000 people uh, actively using uh, Stash Smart Portfolio. And since it's a fully managed account, you know, we can't just drop crypto into it, right? We have to have an investment thesis for, for the things that we believe in long-term and how crypto can fit inside of this portfolio. And so we decided to add the two big ones, uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum. And what we really looked at is our customer, where, where they're going and what they ultimately need. And so we, we carved out a small exposure inside of Smart for these first two digital assets. And, and that's it. It's been in beta for a bit now and people love it. It's, uh, it's cool because, again, like I said before, like most people just don't know what to do, but they really, really want to get started and they really want to invest in crypto. But I think a lot of people are just either scared or don't have the financial education or the education to do it, or the market or the, the, the theme in the market is that it's a get-rich-quick scheme. And so people are really scared by that because you know the average person going in to buy and sell Bitcoin 25 times a minute is probably going to lose their money. But taking long view fits inside a stash. So invest in small amounts on a regular basis and think long term. It makes it a lot easier to invest in this, you know, at times volatile asset class. Now, Smart Portfolios is based a little bit on the individual's risk profile. So what's the minimum and the max? Well, minimum, I would assume is zero. If someone doesn't want to be in crypto at all, they can be zero. But what's like the maximum that someone could be if they have like the highest risk score possible? It's, it's small. It's a four to six percent of the portfolio will be in, in crypto. And how do you decide like how much to put in Bitcoin or Ethereum? Um, can someone like go in there and tailor like, hey, I'm a Bitcoin person like Jack Dorsey is or, hey, you know, what? I really think this Ether thing is cool. Um, or is it have you guys personalized that? And if you did personalize it, how did you think about that on the back end? No, we, we didn't. We didn't personalize it because because it's a fully managed portfolio. It has to fit into our investment thesis. So we did an even split amongst okay. the two. And, you know, ultimately a customer will invest in it. If they want to use smart, they're going to get exposure to crypto. And it will be a small exposure because it's blended into uh, everything else that they're getting in the portfolio. Got it. Okay. Uh, how long have you guys been looking at this uh, in terms of adding it? Because I remember even when I first started covering fintech in like 2016, 2017, and Bitcoin first started taking off, everyone was so anti at the payments companies, the robo-advisors, um, uh, the investment uh, vehicles, whatnot. Uh, and it seems like over the past year or two that people have been warming up to it a bit more, mostly just because we know that it's here to stay in some capacity. So yeah. walk me through a little bit of how you made that decision. 
Yeah, I mean, we've been we've been looking at this for a while. There's a you know for a long time we've been researching it. You know, our investment uh, committee and the investment team is headed up by uh, this awesome guy named Douglas Feldman, who's been in this business for you know almost twenty years now. You know, there has always been a huge amount of demand from our customers to to get exposure, but there's also at the same time been a lot of questions about how, why, what is it, when do I do it, how do I think about it. You know, everyone talks a lot about crypto, but only a very small percentage of Americans are actively investing in it, or unfortunately, they're trading it, not investing in it. And so just because we were getting all this demand didn't mean we wanted to jump to edit because we need to do things thoughtful. We're building Stash much differently than a lot of our competitors. And so once we got to a place where we had enough research and we saw the market starting to mature, where institutions were getting into it, we started seeing some more clarity around the regulatory side of things. We decided it was time it was time to really start working on our investment thesis. Do we truly believe in it as a long-term viable asset? And how does it fit into that? And we took our time to do it. And, you know, the, the work was done. And, uh, you know, today we officially announced that it's it's not part of it. I think it's only the beginning, though. We have to continue to really look at, you know, this, this digital asset space uh, very carefully because it's, you know, we've added, you know, Bitcoin and Ethereum today, but it doesn't mean we won't do more in the future as we develop our thesis and as we just watch the market. You know, Smart Portfolio has only been out for about 10 months now, a little less than 10 months. So it's still fairly new. But even before we launched Smart, we were thinking about digital assets inside of Smart Portfolio. So I'd say we've been thinking about this for years, and but just took our time to do it. Talk to me a little bit about beta testing this product too, because now that I, you know, reporters don't beta test things. We just write things and talk <laughs> right. to people. But now as a founder, I've beta tested things before. So I'm always fascinated to talk about that process, like going into it, what was your thesis? And then what were things that your customers had you tweak and advice that they gave you along the way? Yeah. Well, when we started beta testing this, just talking to customers about it, you know, probably a year and a half, two years ago. And it's been a constant journey about it because if I look at our call center, if I look at the feedback I see on social, a lot of it's add crypto, add crypto, add crypto, you know, and I, and I had to think about this and this might sound fairly controversial, but, you know, we didn't want to add it as a growth tool and we want to add it as an engagement tool. That's what I'm seeing in the market right now. People are adding it just to get people to log back into their, into their apps. We needed to do it the way that Stash was built, which is thinking about long-term wealth creation. And so, you know, once we got to a place where we put it out to customers, which, you know, it took a lot of compliance work, a lot of legal work to get, you know, this fully managed account in a place where we could do that, you know, we just talked to customers about it. And the feedback's been really good because what we're hearing is a, is a constant theme of, I'm doing it. I did it. I now have exposure to Bitcoin. And what really starts to happen is that people start to learn because they're doing it in a secure and safe way, right? Because the way we built it was really built around ease and simplicity. And so the feedback's been almost this sense of empowerment that people now feel like they're doing it and they're invested in it. And we're seeing a lot of people talk to friends about it. We're seeing a lot of social around it. It's cool. And it's cool because it, it's, it's the interest that, that we have is very aligned with our customer. We didn't do it to generate tons of transactional revenue, right? We're not charging extra for, for smart. It's in your, if you pick the plan with smart in it, that's it. You just get it, right? So I think that there's a way to do this in a balanced way. Of course, when you're investing, you're taking risk. You're taking risk in everything when it's investing. 
but there's a way to balance the risk and think long-term. So I, I'm really happy about it. I'm, I'm proud that we got to this point to get it out, but I'm also really proud that we took our time to do it right. What, so what should we expect from this product over the next year? Because you mentioned that this is, it sounds like it's only the beginning of what you guys plan to do in this space. Yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, I have to always remember, we at Stash have to remember that our customers' average household income is less than $50,000. So, I, I, you know, anyone listening to this or knows Stash, like we're not going after high net worth customers. I don't, it's just not the target, it's not what we want. We're not an asset-based model. I don't charge more based on assets. Like, so I know our customer. Our customer is the 80 plus percent of America that needs a financial partner to build wealth with them over the long terms without these uh, BS constraints about how much money you have. And so for us, it's really around making sure that we're being thoughtful about the portfolios that our customers are getting into when we fully manage them and taking our time. We're not going to rush to the in vogue faddish types of investments, you know, but we're paying attention to Web 3.0, we're paying attention to uh, NFTs, we're paying attention to uh, digital currencies that have stability and have a future, right? I don't think we're always going to be judge, jury, and executioner on each one, <laughs> but I want to take our time to do it right, not rush. Switching gears a little bit, you mentioned the um, average person on your platform makes $50,000 a year. How has your consumer profile changed over the course of the pandemic, both age-wise and um, income-wise? Yeah, it hasn't. Well, as far as who's our customer, it hasn't really changed at all. I'm always, I I love to reflect on what we did because as a startup founder or co-founder, you always go into something thinking about how, how you're going to start a business and who you think is going to use it and then how it actually gets used, right? <laughs> and so when we started, we're like, all right, we're going to probably have, you know, very tech-centric people using it and the tech-centric cities on the coast. And we're going to have, you know, probably higher earners using it, even though our, our, our perception of what we wanted, our mission, was the same mission we have today, which is to help everyday Americans build wealth. And what we found out is we were wrong. What we got, and I look at it today, like almost six years later, is that the Stash customer, if you take Stash customers and you look at where they are in the U.S. uh, as a population by state, we match the U.S. population almost perfectly. If you look at employer, we match almost perfectly. If you look at household income, we match almost perfectly. If you look at gender, we we match perfectly. So what really really changed is that the customer uh, hasn't changed. We just got a lot bigger since the pandemic. We grew a lot. We had a, a record year last year. We grew a lot. And already this year, we're on, on our way to growing a lot this year. It's because we haven't changed our values and our mission. It's about helping everyday Americans build wealth. And I think that, you know, when you think about building a business like this, it, it has to be aligned with customers. And so I, I'm really proud of the customers. One of the things that I am seeing since the pandemic till now is that auto stash, which is the... Uh, feature inside of Stash to, to do investing on a regular basis. More than 50% of our customers are using it, and it grew 50% last year from pre-pandemic figures. So more and more people are putting money away on a regular basis. And I think that a lot of it has to do with the people realizing how unprepared they were financially. It's scary. You know, the, the numbers in this country are frightening. And a lot of people who are using Stash said, well, you know, I wasn't prepared before a pandemic. No one knew it was coming. So I'm going to utilize these tools now to really get ready for if this, and this could happen again. So it was a wake up call for a lot of people to, to really think about 
you know, their financial health. And Americans don't have financial plans. So it, it, it's a wake-up call. So I'd say that the customer hasn't changed, but the way the platform is getting used has been really awesome to see. And one thing I want to bring up, and this is a little bit of a two-part question here. One, I was interviewing Mark Goldberg for the podcast about a week ago from Index Ventures. And one of his predictions for this year was that product was going to be a little less important than brand. And his thesis was that product is going to be commoditized a little bit, while brand is going to be the way that fintech companies start to grow. Whereas initially, it was when we were still unbundled very much, and we didn't have all these fintech companies rebundling, product was more of a differentiating factor. And I guess the second part to that question is you guys do charge very small fees on your accounts. It's like one to $8 a month or something like that. Do will that amount stay the same as you add products to it so that value proposition keeps getting better? Yeah, I, I love the brand. I love both these questions on brands. He couldn't be he couldn't be more right. Brand, you know, look, the market right now is keeps getting more and more crowded. Every week I see another startup, another startup get funded, another startup try to get funded in banking, in investing, in insurance, in lending. It's just, and it's good. I think it's a good thing. More competition brings more innovation. And, but I do think that for the consumer, it's going to get very convoluted and very confusing. You can get your paycheck two days early everywhere now. You can get <laughs> no overdraft fees pretty much everywhere. You know, Bank of America and Wells Fargo, and I, and I applaud them for this, got rid of their overdraft fees two weeks ago, which is like a cancer uh, for a lot of people. And as innovation happens, as the incumbents change their business models to get more aligned with what people actually want, I think that brand matters and you're, of course, what you're doing matters. So we are, we are investing heavily in our brand and we have been for a while. We're doing even more now and our brand is really around investing in yourself, right? Investing simplified and investing in yourself is what we do at our core. And it's a really good brand for us because it speaks to what people want. They want to invest in themselves. They want to grow. They want to manage their money and create wealth and grow wealth. So I agree with that completely. And on, on the subscription uh, plans, that's the reason we set up Stash to have three plans is it gave us a great framework to keep adding value in, into our subscription tiers. So, you know, we think a lot about new features that the teams are building and, and anything we build really comes from feedback from our customers. So as we hear more things our customers need, and we can't do everything overnight, although I wish we could, but we can't, um, we're always thinking about how to place them in the framework of a subscription plan or in our plans because it's easy for a customer to know exactly what they're paying for versus us making money on the back end or, you know, you know, using, you know, unfair business practices to generate more money at the expense of our customers. I think uh, Stash's business is very pure and very aligned. So, yeah, I agree. Brand is really, really important. But, you know, you can't just do brand right from the beginning. You have to really start to understand what position you're going to play in the market, what role you play in the market for your customer. And then it becomes easier to build a world-class brand. And that's exactly what we're trying to do at Stash now. Uh, One other question that I do have time for now is when you've mentioned that your customer profile didn't change during the course of the pandemic, but how has their behavior changed over the course of the pandemic? Because I feel like people are much more interested in stocks, crypto, and everything at this point. Yeah. You know, know, one of the reasons why, and and this is something that's really, I think is really cool, why our customer demographic hasn't really changed is because the market is so damn big. You know, when I, when I think about 
America, you know, there are more than 200 million people that need Stetch. So, you know, for us to, to keep growing and not change our customer demographic, we have to get a lot bigger. You know, when we hit around 50 million customers, I think maybe we'll see it change a little bit. But for now, it's, it's definitely, you know, the market is big. You know, the pandemic has definitely changed a lot of our the behaviors of customers from the amounts of money they're putting in or the frequency of money. So I don't think the amounts per transaction have gone up by that much, but I'm seeing people working a lot harder to put money away. That's one. I, I love the fact that uh, from a new customer demographic, about 49% of our new customers are female or women or identify as, as female. And I think that's really, really, really powerful because it shows that when you give people tools and access with guidance, everyone should be able to do this. And that's something that's really important to us as a company. And I'm really proud of that. And I just think that, you know, when I think about the assets on Stash, you know, we crossed over $3 billion, but the average deposit onto Stash is only about $30. So the sheer number of transactions that we're doing now has increased dramatically because more people are just using the platform on a regular basis. So, you know, and what I love to say about the three plus billion dollars, it's not our money. That's the most important thing. It's our customers' money. And a lot of cases, it's all the money they have. So I'm re- I feel really good about that. I, I, the pandemic has definitely taught me, even my own life, you never know what you have to be ready for or prepared for. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, you know, and none of us knew a pandem- pandemic was coming. And for so many people who weren't financially prepared, it was a massive slap in the face. And it hurt. And we, I mean, the stories that we were hearing and I still hear are, are really sad. So if we can make a difference in the world and make a difference in people's lives by helping them get on a journey to save more money and to have an emergency fund and to have something to fall back on that grows over time, then I think we've done our job. I just want to, you know, our goal is to do it for a lot more people now. What One last question then. So we've seen some companies go public successful that would be considered like semi-competitors to you and then other ones end up deciding not to go public after thinking they were going to go public. What? How do you think about that future for, for you guys on that point of view? Like SoFi is doing well. Acorns decided to pull its back. Um, there's other ones that I could name too. Yeah. Look, I, I love this question too. We're coming <laughs> off a great 2021. We grew a lot, you know, we are not going public right now. I have no intention of going public. It's not about uh, it's not about a date. It's about when you're ready to be a public company. You know, we're we're well financed, so I don't need to run to the public markets to raise money. I Stash isn't ready today to be a public company. So I and we're not under a rush. Our investors aren't pushing us or rushing for us to go public. We as a team are not rushing to go public. We just want to build the best product possible for us to be a public company. And it will come in the future when, when we're ready. So I just don't, I don't see the rush. Some companies want to be public for many different reasons. Some are ready, some aren't. But I think we're trying to really look at this from a long-term view. We're trying to build a generational business. And to do that, we have to do things right. So there's no rush on our part. We'll do it when we're ready. It's, not, it's, it's likely not a this year thing. Good to know. Good to know. But if anyone wants to find out more about this new product that you guys are launching or Stash in general, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, just check out uh, Stash.com. Nice. We have a new short domain as of last year. Um, (laughs) Check out Stash.com and there's lots of info on the portfolio. And there's also um, our uh, first investment thesis that we put out. Uh, Our investment team put out a note about why. 
and we went into detail about why we did it and our and our rationale and thinking behind it. So it's a good read and it's on the website. Amazing. And if anyone wants to follow along with FinTech more broadly, go to fintechtoday.co, sign up for our newsletter. Brandon and his team are subscribers. Um, so you can join Good Company there. Otherwise, I will see you guys next time. Thank you, Brandon. Thank you.